0: Hello, and welcome to the Work Alchemy Podcast, Conversations about Impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Susan Stutzel. Susan helps her clients ditch overwhelm by finding their voice through the process of rebuilding habits and expectations so they can feel successful professionally and at home. Before we get started, I'm excited to share an opportunity with you, the $1,000 marketing plan. Would it be a relief to bring in enough clients to make your big vision possible and not feel icky about your marketing? For just $1,000, you'll receive a customized plan for your business that focuses on your impact and clearly maps out your next steps for marketing, your most valuable offering. Be in alignment with what you value and the change you want to make in the world. Go to the 1000 dollars com for more information. Click on any button to get started. Don't forget the whole name, the 1,000 in digits, com. Click on any button to get your customized marketing plan underway. The link is also in the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. I'm delighted to have you here.
1: Thank you, Ursula.
0: It's great to be here. So let's just dive right into being overwhelmed, which I think is a pretty common feeling for a lot of people in the the last year and a half. But um, you talk about women overcoming overwhelm. So what do you see as the, the main causes of that for a lot of women leaders? What kinds of things are you hearing from your clients?
1: You know, it's really so many things. And I think especially in this last year, like it's just generated this this whole new meaning and reasons behind the overwhelm. But really the common factors that I see are are a lack of direction, a lack of really understanding Mm -hmm. like what does success mean for me? because as women, like we wear so many different hats and we want to do all the things and we want to do them all perfectly (laughs) all the time. And when we're like shooting forward and trying to do all the things perfectly, sometimes I think we forget where we're really headed and what that like moment of success will be. And so when we haven't defined that, we have no target to shoot for. So instead we tend to be overwhelmed with all of these things, but not really understanding that we tend to put it on ourselves and that we're our own biggest culprit when it comes to being overwhelmed and letting all of that weigh in on us.
0: Hmm. Well, that, that's so interesting that you you say we put it on ourselves. And um, I, I wonder, if you, have you noticed during the pandemic, is that worse or better? I mean, I can actually see both. I've seen both where, yes, it's worse because of personal circumstances if you're homeschooling or there's stress in relationships but you're also um all all our outside obligations or many of them have been pared back so we can concentrate on what's important is have you seen that kind of dichotomy happening
1: yes very much so there's been yeah i mean it's been both right there was this moment of okay, now you're working from home and maybe your kids are home too and everyone's at home. And whether you were set up for that or not led to either more overwhelm or less in that moment. And so I think there were things in our lives that did, they kind of slipped away because there weren't the activities. There wasn't all of that social interaction that we had before. And so we slowed down. And I think there was there was some relief in that. And, and I had so yeah. many women that were like, oh, wow, it's been so great to like have dinner around the table every night with my family. It's been so Mm -hmm. great to have our evenings free again. And while there were, you know, terrible side effects of the pandemic, there were also these, these positive things that really happened because of that, that I think we recognized and embraced and went, okay, wow, I almost had to be like forced to sit back and slow down so that I could see really what's most important right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And that has led to so many great conversations in this last year about just that aha moment. Like, wow, when I really strip away all of the other things and focus in like, I know what's most important now because that came to the forefront for us when all like all other life just kind of felt like it stopped for a moment. Right. But at the same time, there was this added overwhelm of maybe I'm not set up to work from home and now I'm trying to do this at my dining room table while my kids are virtual schooling, while my husband is also trying to set up an office in some other room in the house and Mm -hmm. just creating that, how is this all going to work and how do I work and how do I work the same hours and still homeschool my kids and not feel like I'm just, you know, failing at every, at every turn. And so I think Mm -hmm. there were exactly that, the dichotomy of those things that kind of weighed in on us, which also I think opens up this really great opportunity to say, okay, now that we're over a year into this, like, what is that version of success for you? What is that, you know, non-negotiable? Here's what I want. Here's what I don't want anymore. Because I feel like now we have this opportunity to choose how we move forward from here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I think that brings us to such a crucial point where we're really looking at what's what are we valuing? How do we want to have impact? How do we want to move forward in our work and uh, our businesses, our careers, if that's the case? And um, I I wonder what the role of expectations play in overwhelm, because we when we're I, I know for myself, I'll speak for myself, I have high expectations of myself. <laughs> and um, as a result, I am constantly putting pressure on myself without any help from anyone else about, you know, how I'm doing things, is the level of quality there, is they, am I giving enough, is there um, more that I can be doing? All of those expec- expectations um, really have played a role for me, at least, in overwhelm. what are your thoughts on that?
1: I am with you 100%. Those expectations that we place on ourselves are the hardest ones to meet. They are the highest ones. And I relate to that so well, because I am just a bit of a recovering perfectionist. And so I always (laughs) want to do the very best that I can. I bring excellence into every conversation, every work product, everything that I do. And so I was on this career trajectory that was just fantastic. I was headed to the top. And then my husband and I had two children. And so I'm at home with two toddlers at night while working all day long and trying to be the perfect mom and have the perfect dinner on the table every night, a perfectly clean home every single day, the same as it was before I had children. A lot of pressure. Yes. Plus (laughs) like continuing that ladder straight to the top. And it was like, that was the moment. And I remember it so vividly standing in my bedroom, I had to shut the door and like breathe. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm going to break, something's going to break, but I still wanted to do it all. I, st- I love my career. I love what I do. I loved having children though, I wasn't sure I wanted them until like I did, that's a whole other story, (laughs) but it was like this, this almost like terrifying moment of, wow, how do I keep doing all of this? But wait a minute, who's expecting me to do it all perfectly? Who's expecting the perfectly clean home? Gosh, guess what? My toddlers don't know if their house is clean or not. (laughs) They don't know if I went to bed and the dishes weren't done tonight. They just know that they are well-loved and so the, that was just kind of the moment for me that it was like, these expectations are ridiculous. I really mm-hmm. need to decide what is it that I want and how do I get through this? Like, how do I build this life that I love and not kill myself in the process?
0: <laughs> yeah. Very important, <laughs> very important thing. Um, well, and and it sounds like you had a bit of an epiphany, and there was this moment when you realized, hey, nobody's expecting this kind of perfectionism except me. But um, was that the end of it? I mean, I, I I personally have struggled with that, although much less so now. But I, it's it's been an ongoing thing of uh, wanting things to be a certain way, and just seeing the the level of investment to get there just not being worth it for some things and having to make trade-offs about where i spend my time and energy is that perfectionism something that you've you've kind of just let go or that you see your your clients just letting go or is it something that you it's an ongoing thing you gotta be dealing with on a regular basis
1: It is absolutely an ongoing journey. And I kind of use the word recovering perfectionist, though, Mm -hmm. there are times that I I still want everything to be perfect. And excellence is actually a core value of mine, I firmly Mm -hmm. believe in doing what you do and doing it really well, bringing your best self every single time. So, Well, I had, yeah, I really had that epiphany moment, but it wasn't like that was a switch. And now here's who I'm going to be. It's, it it is, it's more of that journey along the path. Like, okay, I recognized it. I recognized what it couldn't be anymore, but yet it's constantly this learning journey for me to discover and to just keep my highest priorities right in front of me and to really be intentional about what I'm doing and where I'm going and what I'm saying yes to in my life and how I move that forward. And I see the same thing with my clients as I'm coaching, like part of that value in coaching is really digging in for yourself and opening up not only what's possible, but also like, what is the most important thing? Where am I headed? And keeping that in front of you. Because when I, when I've had clients that really grab a hold of that and say, all right, this is what success looks like to me and go after that, they have discovered that it's so much easier to say no to the other things that don't line up with that. Because I think, especially as women, but all of us, like we like to please people. We want to say yes, when we're asked to do something, we want to help. But sometimes we have to say no, otherwise we end up doing what everyone else's priorities are and not our own. And it, it is a journey. I, I fall into it, you know, still like I, I know where I'm headed yeah. and I know what I want, but do I get sidetracked sometimes when somebody comes up excited about something like, yeah, I want to help you with that. Yeah, for sure. It's a journey, but it's that the more we become self-aware and the more we recognize what success is to us, that's when we can really hone in on, stay focused on that, be intentional in our yeses, and learn to say no to so many peripheral things.
0: Well, and I think you've, uh, in, in what you've just said, you really pointed out something super important. And that it's, I think we get kind of down on ourselves about, oh, I'm being a perfectionist, or oh, I'm people pleasing. Those things come out of a value that is actually really valid and something that you actually do want to hang on to, like excellence, when it comes to perfectionism and even people pleasing. It's because we're relational. Mm-hmm. We want to be connected with people. We want to offer something of ourselves, be of service, and that 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 um, relational focus is one that you know I would hate for us to lose. In, in service of, well, you got to get rid of that because it's bad to be a perfectionist. It's bad yeah. to be a people pleaser. And <clears throat> and I think there's been a lot said and written about um, the focus on what's not good about that. But I think that the flip side is that there's actually a lot of good things around that that we can focus on and bring into maybe a healthier, more balanced perspective.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of um, one of my favorite uh books that I've read about that is uh, Dr. Henry Cloud uh, wrote about uh, the value of, or the power of others. And it's true. Like We are meant to connect with other people. We didn't get where we are alone. And so we had people that came up behind us, that supported us, that encouraged us but we also then do that for others. And so I like how he wrote in his book um, and I'm going to get the quote exactly wrong. um, But basically (laughs) that we are born seeking a connection like our cell phone, like the moment we are born, we are looking for that connection. And often that connection comes by asking others for help. And so we love to be asked because we get to serve someone else and yes, There's value in that. So I definitely don't want the listeners to hear like, stop helping other people because there is value in that, but it's also learning to ask for help when we need it, because it goes both ways. And that's really how those deepest relationships are built through, you know, how can I help you? How have you helped me and making those connections because we're all better for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree.
1: So how do
0: you, I've heard you talk about growth mindset. And I have also read Carol Dweck's book, which where she talks about a fixed versus a a, a growth mindset. And how does that come into play when you're getting past overwhelm? How does that, that growth mindset help?
1: Yeah, I love Carol Dweck's book that uh, the mindset has been, was such an eye-opener for me. uh, And when I read that and she brings in, yeah, that fixed versus growth mindset. And for those who aren't familiar with that, the fixed mindset is like, it's like a wooden block. Like this is how much you're given. It is what it is. There's no changing it. No matter how you turn it, move it, it stays the same which means that if I try something and I fail at it, then I'm not smart enough to do that, that it's just too hard mm. and I'm not made for that, which yeah. is, is terrible because we really were made to try things and fail and try again and keep going. But that's the growth mindset. The growth mindset says that we're, we're more like a plant that it can be intelligence can be nurtured and it can grow into something bigger and something more. And I like how Michael Hyatt says that in every situation, we either win or we learn. And I think that's mm. such a great model of the growth mindset because we're either winning in the situation or we learn from it. We say, okay, here's what didn't work, but why didn't it work? And how can I do it better next time? Because then we learn from that. And I know in my life, the areas that I have, Felt like I failed in when I flipped it and said, oh, here's what I learned from that. That put me in so much of a better place and created that self-awareness that then helped me make the next decision after that. And then that leads to really just that that journey of of success for me and learning about that. So when you apply that to the overwhelm of here's all the things that I have to do When we apply that growth mindset and say, okay, here's what's not working. Well, for me, what wasn't working was trying to be perfect at everything. And I realized that, okay, so if I can't do that, what do I learn from this? Well, I know that something has to give. So what's going to give? Am I giving up my career? No, I love it. I've worked hard for this. I don't want to give that up. Am I giving up my kids? Well, no, obviously, absolutely not but what i could give up was you know what sometimes the dishes just didn't get done that night sometimes the laundry didn't get folded perfectly and then i hired a housekeeper and it was like okay i could come home to a clean house but i didn't have to be the one to do it because yeah. it made more sense for me to follow my career passion and spend time with my kids and my family at night and so that was something that i could that i could outsource but i had to have that mindset of how do I make something different? How do I learn from this and grow from here and learn that I really don't have to do all of it? Yeah.
0: You don't, you don't have to do all the things. That's such a relevant thing within a business yes. too of yes. um, bringing people on to help. And I know it seems like a, an expense and things that when things are not rolling yet with finances, but it can be such a valuable way to get there too. So those are those those are really great points. I I know that um, goal setting is something that um, has kind of come into the common practice of yes, you must have goals and um, you know, it's important to set them and then you move towards them. And I absolutely, there's the validity of knowing where you're going, having some kind of direction, Mm -hmm. but um, how might setting goals actually get in the way? I mean, I know sometimes if I've set a goal, that's not high level enough, I can actually get off on a detour and it's actually more helpful to be flexible with lower level goals and main and still maintain the kind of fidelity to the high level goals. What's your, what are your thoughts around goal setting and all of that?
1: Yeah, I love that really. Um, it's true. There, like goals is such an important, important piece of how we get where we're going. And I'm a huge advocate of setting the big goals, like deciding what are the big things that I want out of you know out of life out of this business in the next 10 years 5 years 3 years but the real value comes in in those smaller action steps those those micro goals or those steps that we take that really fall into the big picture but number one they're attainable because it's something that we can check off of our list today or this week or this month those smaller goals that keep us on track But there's also so much value in taking a step back once in a while and reevaluating the big goals, finding out, does something need to shift or do we need to pivot? I mean, if the pandemic taught us nothing else, it was that, you know what, as a business owner, we're probably going to have to pivot because what's been working all of this time might not work anymore. And so how Mm -hmm. do we do this differently? And as entrepreneurs, like that's where we thrive. That's why we do what we do because we bring in new ideas. We are willing to try new things and with trial and error, figure it out. And sometimes it's through trying those new things that we realize, yeah, this is exactly it. Or you know what, this isn't quite right. Let me reevaluate this. How does it still line up with a bigger goal? And pivot and go from there. So yeah, I think mm. goals are huge, but we can't let those overwhelm us because sometimes that actually can just lead to overwhelm. I think of it like a New year's resolution. Like at the beginning of the year, what do you see all over social media? What are your resolutions? What are your goals for the year? What are you gonna do? <laughs> and there are Which these nobody sticks to. <laughs> yeah, and there are these big and and sometimes really big, beautiful ideas. But if you don't put it into those action steps that actually make them make that goal realizable, we're probably not going to get there, which is why such a huge percentage of them fail by February, because we never even took the first step. And so by the end of January, we're like, you know what, forget it. This isn't working. I knew I couldn't do it. Like the whole mindset comes back in and our, you know, self-talk in our brain talks us out of the goal instead of being intentional about here's what I'm going to do first. Here's the first step that I'm going to take toward this. And so, yes, it's those small steps. It's the small goals that we can actually check off that list because there is something so valuable about putting pen to paper and actually putting a check mark to say, I got this one done. That gives us momentum to then do the next step or create the next step. And that's how we become unstoppable.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's satisfying for sure. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. First, I want to share an offer with you, the $1,000 marketing plan. If your body tightens up just thinking about marketing, or if you're not sure what to do next to bring in a steady stream of business, then consider the $1,000 marketing plan. This plan, customized for your business, will center your marketing around the most important thing for your business, your impact. For an investment of $1,000, you'll have a plan that clearly maps out what to do for the next six to 12 months to market your best offering and bring in the income you want. Be in alignment with what you value and the change you want to make in the world. Go to the1000marketingplan.com, and don't forget the whole name, the 1000 in digits For more information, click on any button to get started. The link is also in the show notes. In in the work that you do, uh, you work with women leaders in developing their leadership, and you've talked about how finding your voice is so important. And it's something that I personally have struggled with because because of earlier things that happened in my life. And the whole speaking up thing was very... <laughs> dangerous in, um, in a number of ways. and so it, it kept me silent for a long time. So I've done a lot of work around this and now I've fair, fairly fair amount of ease around having a voice. but it's a real journey getting there. Why, why is this so such a big why is this such a big deal? Why is it so so uh, challenging and, and what's so important about it for women leaders?
1: Wow. I love that you shared that because I would have thought that as the podcast host that you are, that voice was not a problem. So that, yeah, I would love to hear that story sometime of how you, how you came through that, but yes, I love
0: a long time getting here.
1: (laughs) I absolutely love helping women leaders find their voice because when we discover that voice that's within us, that's our own, that's authentic to us, Like that gives us the confidence that we need to step out into the world and do what we were created for. But it really does take a lot of, it takes a lot of inner work and, you know, defining what are your core values and no matter whether you're building a business, whether you're in a business or not in business right now, but just who are you from the deep inside of you? Because when you discover that, that's unique to you and no one else has a voice just like yours. So if you don't let yours be heard, no one Mm. else is going to. And one of the one of my favorite stories is I was working with a woman that was starting a, a new career and she was in a place that was, it was different than she'd ever done before, you know, stepped into something that just everything kind of felt foreign and different. And she wasn't really sure how to go from there. And it was through coaching that she realized she wasn't, she didn't have to be who she thought they needed her to be but that when she was herself and brought herself to the meetings, when she brought her own voice in, she very quickly became the go-to person by the top executives in the company because they recognized who she was and what she had to offer. It's when we it's when we try to show up as who we think someone needs us to be, it doesn't feel right, it feels strange, so we're not confident in how we come across, And other people see that, but when Mm -hmm. we recognize our own voice, that gives us confidence to really speak up and speak out. And it takes, it takes work. It takes, you know, stopping that voice that's in our head from telling us not to speak up. It takes, Mm -hmm. you know, recognizing where we cut ourselves off and where we, you know, almost kind of cut ourselves off at the knees sometimes by not allowing ourselves to step into that.
0: Well, and I think also, um, if you have clarity about the impact you want to have, it helps to get past those barriers as well, because you're acting out of a sense of higher purpose. You're acting out of a sense of this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I am. Uh, this is a way in which I'm wanting to uh, bring more equity or more beauty or more um, awareness into the world. And, and that can be a really big motivator to help overcome. I um, have you found that in your own work?
1: Yes, for sure. That, that impact that we want to have, that takes the focus off of us. And all of a sudden that becomes our voice comes out more confidently because we're thinking about that impact. We're thinking mm-hmm. about that person that we want to reach and why it's important for them to hear that. That absolutely shifts our focus and when we can take ourselves out of it, but this is for someone else, we are much more likely to find that voice to speak out because now we're speaking to someone else and recognizing Mm -hmm. the value value in that. And so much of what I do around mindset and helping women find their voice was because I grew up thinking I didn't really have one. It was more of, you know, Hmm. children should be seen and not heard. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of confidence and encouragement growing up. So as I think about it, it's like, I'm talking to that teenage girl So that when she hears like that makes it so much easier. Cause it's like, I want her to hear that. I want my daughter to see that you can run a business, that you can do things you're passionate about and have an amazing family and have an amazing life. And so Mm. that has made it a lot easier for me. And so many of the women that I work with, just being able to have that impact in mind, like what is my life passion? And when I speak toward that, that gives me the confidence that I need to step out. And the more we do that, the easier it gets.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And it, it, uh, let me ask you, what what is the impact that you think your work has?
1: I think that the impact that my work has is really around raising up a generation of women to truly be who they were made to be. I've seen so many women that are just going through the motions or working in a job, but not really grabbing a hold of that passion that's within them, like really understanding that I could do what I really love to do and make a career of it and have everything. I think there's so much stigma out there around, well, if you want a family or a career, it doesn't have to be or... It can be both and, but you have to be intentional in how you do it. And I've had amazing women who have supported me in in my years. And so I want to provide that same support. I want to provide that ability to dig deep, find out what you're passionate about, and then figure out like, what do I need to do to make that a reality rather than just that? Oh, what if I had done this or, oh, maybe someday I could do this, but Mm -hmm. really grabbing a hold of that. And doing it now so that you really can live a life that you love.
0: Hmm. Well, and I know part of your impact is you've been working with um, nonprofits. You're a CPA by training originally um, and subsequently moved into coaching. But uh, part of your impact is supporting nonprofits from a, an accountant perspective as well. Is that Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, yes, I started my career as a CPA. And, uh, did that really because, uh, growing up in a, in a poor household, uh, I learned pretty young that, um, uh, I was really good in math. And someone mm. told me once that you should be a CPA because they use math and they make a lot of money. Really? And so, you know, as a 10 year old, it was like, yeah, okay. I want to do that. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> but I took my first accounting class in high school and I loved it. Like it made sense to me that, you know, the fact that a balance sheet had to balance just right. clicked. And so I was like, okay, well, this feels like confirmation to me. So I'm going after it. And I when I decide to do something, I'm all in and I go for it. And I did. I got my CPA, started my career and, and really did love it. And um, early in my career, I worked with nonprofits and then I worked in different industries throughout and you know, have a whole journey and, and story about that, but really fell in love with the nonprofit world I think because of the passion that they bring in, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, people that work in nonprofits and they are there because they believe in the mission. Like, right. hands down, they are there because of the mission that they do. And I loved seeing that passion within them because I have the same passion in everything that I do. So, it's like this lines up with me. So, it was actually after working uh, with a coach for the first time that I decided to step out on my own and start my own practice which was just so huge for me. And and one of the reasons that I truly love coaching was because people had told me throughout the years that you should start your own practice. And I was like, no, 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 definitely not. But really when I hired a coach to really dig deep and figure out, okay, what's this next step for me? It was so clear that it's like, I want to work with nonprofits only. I want to focus on this really narrow niche. I don't want to do all the other things, this is what I want to do. Well, how am I going to do that best? By doing it for myself. Mm-hmm. So, I opened my own practice and and I did. My niche was very narrow. I work with small nonprofit organizations. I provide auditing and consulting services, and anyone else who came to me for anything else, I outsourced to other people in my network. And vice versa. They referred they referred small nonprofits to me and I grew organically. I never advertised a day in my life. I never, you know, made cold the calls holy, or anything. It just grew. The holy
0: grail of the holy grail of marketing, word of mouth.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is so true and so valuable. And so built that practice and and still still do that work today. I love that I'm a CPA. I love that I worked really hard to get there and I keep doing that work, but I've also shifted to coaching as well because in that work with the nonprofits and mostly in the consulting arena, what I discovered is as I was having conversations with boards of directors, when I was having conversations with executive directors and top-level management what I really loved was having those strategic conversations with them about where are they taking the organization? What do they want to do next? How are they going to get there? You know, the whole goal setting falls into play Mm -hmm. and walking away going, well, that's not what they were paying me to do, but gosh, that was fun. And wasn't that neat to kind of see their eyes light up and figure out, you know, what do they want to do next? And that was the moment that I started working with a coach again and kind of dove into that a little bit and discovered that like, I really get excited about helping someone else find their own idea or discover Mm -hmm. their own idea and create that action step to make it happen. And so that then led me to get my executive coaching certificate, which I have. And so I have a, a dual practice where I'm still providing, Uh, mostly consulting and some auditing services for nonprofits, but also getting into the board development, that strategic planning like that, you know, it's, it's more coaching based, but still helping the organization and give them great value in how they propel forward, but also working with coaching because i am so passionate about helping other women step into who they are and find their voice, develop the confidence to be who they were made to be. So multi-passionate individual, providing excellence (laughs) in everything I do, but really balancing and focusing in on what do I love most and what do I do best and doing that and saying no to a thousand other things.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, in that, in that uh, work that you're doing now with, with uh, leadership coaching, I'm curious um, as a, a last question before we get to the rapid round about your own leadership. How would you describe your leadership and, and what are the ways that you develop
1: that skill? Oh, that's really good. <clears throat> I would say that my leadership comes from understanding who I am. Which has been a journey of learning all the way through my process, you know the the career trajectory that I've had. That at some points in my career, I, I I know that I felt like, oh gosh, I'm making another shift over here, or oh, does this make sense, or did that last decision make sense? But really, understanding that every step of the process, really, or every step of the journey, really led me to where I'm at right now, and that was discovering what I'm most passionate about knowing what my core values are and leaning into those so that everything that I do lines up with that. I'm a firm believer in everything you say yes to, you have to say no to something else. Like we only have Mm. 24 hours in a day. And so you can't just add in one more thing. You're replacing something and really being intentional about what you say yes to, so that you're also intentional in what you say no to, because for Mm -hmm. so many years, my no just ended up being sleep or my family relationships (laughs) suffered and it wasn't intentional, Mm -hmm. but it was like, that was the things that I was sacrificing. And that was kind of that epiphany moment that I had was this isn't going to work. And so it's just that, that journey of, of self-discovery and, learning who we are, and for me to be authentic in who I am and be true to myself, that's when I can really shine and that's when I can help others really be their best self.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, it's so true. It's uh, a journey that that you go on and end up inspiring other people to do. So um, that's great. Well, Susan, I always wrap up these interviews with uh, three questions around impact. Are you game to answer those? Oh, you bet. All right. The first one is what's the biggest thing that you've learned about having impact?
1: Mm. I would say to be present where your feet are. And I feel like mm. I should give someone credit for that. I don't remember where I heard that, but I I just loved when, what that said to me at the moment, be present where your feet are. So especially if we have a family, like when we're, when I'm spending time with my family, I don't want to be thinking about the work that I should be doing when I'm at work. I don't want to be, you know, having that guilt of not being with my family. And so really being present where my feet are helps me to focus in on where I'm at right now and give that all of my attention, whether it's sitting across the table from a client, whether it's sitting, you know, at home with my, with my family, being present with them when they know they're the most important to you right now in this moment, there is so much value that they get. There is so much love that we receive when someone has truly giving us all of their attention, all of who they are. And we are so much more fulfilled by not letting our minds be torn by what maybe we should or could be doing right now, but really being intentional in what we do by being present where our feet are.
0: Mm, That's great. Well, the the second rapid round question is, what's the one thing that you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most?
1: I would say that would be my morning routine. Hmm. I am a firm believer in supporting yourself first every single morning. And for me, my ideal morning routine is getting up early, getting in a workout, a shower, making some really good coffee. I'm a little bit of a coffee snob and (laughs) sitting down in some devotional time before I start my day. I love being awake before everybody else. Now I will also be the first to say that it does not always get nailed perfectly every single morning. But giving ourselves some of that time or giving ourselves, you know, that one or two things that we do first thing in the morning to me, sets me up for success in the rest of my day, which sets me up for success for the rest of my week and month and year, because I was intentional in doing that, that supports me and fills me up and prepares me to serve others all day long. I absolutely Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in morning routine. And I've seen so many women that have also implemented their version of what works best for them, be so much less overwhelmed in their in their days and in their lives because of that. So I find Mm -hmm. huge value there.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of the morning routine Ooh. myself. And on those days when I don't do it, something just <laughs> is not quite all there. Whereas when I do it, it, it gets you off on the right foot. So uh, that's great that you commit your time to that and advocate for that. Well, the third and final rapid round question is, if you had one piece of advice or an insight you'd share with someone who's saying, I want to have more impact, I want to make a positive contribution, what would you say to them?
1: Stay true to who you are. -hmm. Impact can be so deep and so great, but stay true to who you are because that is going to really bring out your superpower. There's no one else that's like you. No one else is going to do things the way you do things. No one else will say the things that you say. So stay true to who you are and that will give you just the momentum and the courage and the confidence to step into whatever it is that you want to do. So whether it's knowing your values, defining your why really understanding what lights you up inside, what you're passionate about, stay true to that. And then that's where you have your greatest impact.
0: Mm. So, so true. Thank you, Susan. And thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed this conversation about Um, (laughs) overwhelm and uh, really making a difference in the world at the same time you're finding your voice and uh, you've presented so many ways to think about all of those things that are valuable. I, I really appreciate you being here today.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I love what you're doing and I'm so glad to be a little part of it.
0: Well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Great. They can check out my website, sstutzelcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn at Stutzelcoaching as well.
0: Okay, great. Well, Susan, thank you so much for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join me for more episodes. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and help us spread the word rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. To discover more about your impact, schedule a business impact assessment one-on-one with me, 60 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Go to workalchemy.com BIA to schedule your business impact assessment. This podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Cherokee, Tuscarora, Catawba, and Wakama Suen people.